I don't like it. Why were they smearing the blood on the doors like that? How can they even stand the sight of that? I still flinch every time I dip my hand into the washing bowl. It's blood. Every drop of water is blood. And that smell will never leave my nose. Nor will the sight of those frogs and gnats and flies. They were in our food and in our beds. Everywhere I went, there were more and more. But I'd go back to the flies in my food if it meant I didn't have these boils all over my body. They just appeared. They hurt so badly. Every single moment demanding to be felt. And everyone is covered in this sickness. So many people have died. And everything got worse when the darkness fell. I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. I was terrified to try and leave my bed. Who knew what lurked in that darkness waiting to kill me? With every new horror, my fear deepened. I haven't slept in days. And now there's blood on the doors. What are they even doing? That doesn't feel right. Something's wrong. Wait. What's that sound? I think something's in the room. Why didn't I light a fire? Didn't I learn my lesson? Okay, it's fine. Just breathe, it's fine. Oh, why is it getting so hot? Oh, I think I hear it again. It sounds like a long, deep exhale. Why can't I move? Why can't I breathe anymore? What's happening? Panic grips me as I search around for the sound. Then there's a face over me. The face of death. It starts to inhale. And I feel my life slipping from me. I can't move. I can't breathe. All I can see is my death. The air leaves my body and it won't come back. My lungs are screaming out for air. But the face of death does not Stop, it just keeps taking and taking. My vision is going. I know this is the end. I know it. I put all my effort into one last grasp for life. But then death smiles. And everything goes black. Hey guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Welcome to <laughs> week four of Sunday School Stories to Tell in the Dark. This is the series where we look at scary stories from the Bible and we ask ourselves the question, what is God saying through this spooky tale? Um, I don't know if you picked up on it from our uh, little bit of a spooky time uh, dramatic reading, um, but we're going to talk about uh, the plagues tonight and about how God brought the people of Israel up out of Egypt. Um, I don't know if you've how long you've been in church, but if you've been in church long enough, uh, you were a, a child in church, and I'm sure most of us learned about the plagues when we were kids, right? Uh, I did. I did, like, coloring. I was like, mm, I'm going to color in the frogs. I'm going to color in the blood of the water. And, like, 
this is the darkest story in the Bible. We're just like giving coloring books to children, like mm, color in the blood. Like this is fun. No, it's dark. It's not fun at all. It's not cute. It's it ends with like a bunch of people dying and like a national collapse and everything's bad. Everything's bad. But we just like, well, this is a cute one. Let's just legitimately. <laughs> it's really funny to me that we tell the story to kids just over and over and act like it's cute when it's actually terrifying. Whew. Okay, I have a lot to get through, so we're going to jump into it so quick. Uh, and just like always, we're going to go back to the beginning. I have some uh, context we're going to put in, so we're going to start at the very beginning of the story, which actually starts with our boy, uh, Abraham. I've talked about Abraham a lot in here. Does anybody remember who Abraham is? Who's Abraham? You raised your hand. You raised your hand. I can do that. Anyone else? Yeah, Father Abraham. Yes, he is the father of God's chosen people. God picked Abraham and said, hey, you, I am going, I'm choosing you, and through your family, I'm going to save the world. Through his family line, Jesus comes and saves everyone, right? He's like, I'm going to make your people a great nation. So we have Abraham, right? Abraham has a kid named Isaac. Isaac has a kid named Jacob, and these three people are super important, um, especially to people of like the Jewish faith. Um, they're like the patriarchs of the Jewish faith, which like normally I'm like, you know, down with the patriarchy. But this is a good thing this time, I promise. Uh, this is this is good. Um, and it's, 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 it's good for us to know them because Christianity is actually rooted in Judaism. Like a lot of our text is the same. Like our Old Testament is their Torah. Like there's a lot that go together. So it is important for us to know these three people. And a lot of their life is detailed in the early books of the Bible, like Genesis and Exodus. Um, so it's like, it's good to know these people because it's the foundation of what God does later on, because he sets it all up at the beginning. It's actually super, super cool. Okay, so Jacob of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know, that one. He has a son named Joseph, uh, and Joseph kind of goes through a lot, and there's this huge, long story. Um, so hold on to your behinds, because we're going to go really fast, really fast. <sighs> okay, here we go. So this is what this is what happens. This is Joseph's life in a nutshell. Um, Joseph really, really liked this cool coat. Uh, he was a little bit of a dream boy, and his daddy loved him a little bit too much. Uh, his brothers got really mad about it, so they sold him as a slave to Egypt. It's okay, though. He was a really great slave. Yeah. Uh, now his like well, this one lady was just like a little too thirsty, and then he got in trouble, even though he didn't do anything wrong. So now he's in prison, okay? But it's okay because, like I said, he's a dream boy. And Pharaoh's like, I got the scary dream, and he's like, it's okay, I know about it. So now Pharaoh's like, okay, I'm gonna make you the leader of this whole thing. Now you're gonna be like second or third to me. It's I forget. And so like he's like this really powerful person in Egypt, right? And now there's a famine happening, and his family is starving, so they come to see him, and he's like, fam, it's okay, it's cool, I forgive you. Have some of our food. So then Jacob's family moves to Egypt with Joseph. And so that is where we find the people of Israel, God's chosen family. It's just, you know, one family right now, but they're living in Egypt. Got it? That's where we are. That's where we are in the story. That's how they get there. Now, it's been a while since our boy Joseph, right? And so there's this new Pharaoh, and he takes, you know, the crown or whatever, you know, the staff, whatever the thing is. And he's just like, there's a lot of like the people of Israel have like, they've, there's just a lot of them now. They just do not calm down. There's so many of them. So he's like, I'm growing a little sus about them, right? He's like, I don't know if I can trust all these people. So 
Easy solution, he just enslaved them, super easy. So um, now the people of Israel are slaves. Not the best, they had to move because they were starving and now they are slaves. Um, and it doesn't really get much better uh, from here. It actually gets a little bit worse because then another Pharaoh comes along and he's like, there's just so many of them, right? He's like, I don't know what to do about this. He has another brilliant idea. He's like, I know what we can do. Throw the babies into the river. So uh, that pharaoh orders all the baby boys to get thrown into the uh, n the river. The river. Hmm. You didn't think we'd get to baby drowning tonight, but we did. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, it's at this point in the story that we meet a guy named Moses. He is super important. He is in a bunch of books of the Bible. He is an important character. Um, we find him in a basket, going down the river. Uh, he ends up as a river baby in Pharaoh's house. He grows up there, and then he murders someone. Oops. And then he's like, I gotta run away, and he goes into the desert, and he just like lives his life out there, you know? Just living life out in the desert. Uh, and then God's like, hey, I'm a bush. I'm burning up. Not really. And then he sends him, he's like, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses is like, nah, but then he goes. And um, so he goes, he finally makes it to Pharaoh, right? This is, this is kind of where the story's gonna end up. He makes it to Pharaoh, he looks at Pharaoh and goes, God's like telling you to let all these slaves go, you know? And Pharaoh's like, nah, that's it. He's like, nope. And uh, then we're gonna pick up in a verse that is like the main point of our evening. There's a question that Pharaoh asks and it's a super important question. It says this in Exodus five, verse two. Pharaoh says, who is the Lord? Why should I listen to him? And as you'll see as we get through the story, God answers his question. It doesn't go well for Pharaoh, but he answers the question for him. Um, so let's, well, the question that we ask is, what is God saying to us through this story? And what we're going to talk about tonight is God is telling us who he is. Who is God? Why should we serve him? Why should we follow him? That is answered in this story. I don't know about you, but I have kind of been where Pharaoh was, right? A little bit of an arrogant boy being like, who is God that I should be obeying him, right? I, I, I don't need to follow all those rules. I don't need to like go to church all the time. Like I've been that person. Um, and if you haven't been that person, I really hope tonight is the night that you ask that question because we're gonna dive deep into the story and answer the question of who God is and why we should follow him. So the first thing we are going to dive into is the fact that he is, who is God? He is the creator of the universe. It says in John 1.3, God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. Uh, this verse is a little confusing because who's the him? The him is Jesus. So God's like, everything was created through I created everything through me, and everything was created with me. It's very confusing because the Trinity is confusing, but that's a different, <laughs> that's a different one. Um, but for the important for you to know is that He created everything, right? It says in the Bible that He is Lord, that He is King, and um, there's just like a lot of the reasons why we follow Him are the same as the reasons why we worship Him. So they kind of coincide. You'll see, you'll see that they go together. Um, and the, it's just because he's greater than we are. He is bigger than we are. Uh, he spun the planets into orbit, and he created all of the laws and the rules that science follow. He did that. Why the trees grow, why the flowers grow, why the fish do what they do, why the birds do what they do. He created all those things. Why my sister's cat is the way she is, why Daisy is the way that she is. God created all those things. 
he created you. He created me. It says that he breathed the breath of life into us. Like he gave us consciousness. He made the way our brains work, work that way. He did all of those things. And it says in scripture that he knew you in your mother's womb. That means the creator of everything took the time to know who you were, even while he was creating everything. And he has a plan for your life. That is just really cool. Um, he's like, he's big, he's big G God, you know, like he is, he's it. There's nothing better than him. There's nothing bigger than him. Like think of the, a bigger flex than creating everything. Name one bigger flex. Oh, you can't because he created that flex. Like that is, like it's a pretty big deal. Like it's a big flex. God's like, I'm the best. I created it all. Um, now, God shows Pharaoh who he is, that he is the creator of everything, that he's bigger than Pharaoh, that he's bigger than anything that Pharaoh can imagine. He shows him this through the plagues. Uh, and now a lot of people who are way smarter than me uh, will say that a lot of the plagues like line up with some of the major Egyptian gods. And it's kind of like God showing him like, hey, this god isn't anything. This god isn't this. Like he's like going down the line of like this, the big Egyptian gods. Like there was a ton of them. But like specifically, they had they had gods that were like over the god of the river, the god of the weather. They had a god over their crops and over the sun. Like those were some pretty big ones that they worshipped over the god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, over the one true god, right? So God's just like, hey, you thought those gods were in charge, but it's really me. This is what he does. He turns all the water, including the river, into blood. He sends a bunch of frogs to cover the land. He sends gnats. He sends flies. He sends a sickness against the livestock, and it like kills like half the livestock. And then he sends a sickness against the people. There's like they're just covered in boils. Just everything about this is awful. He sends a huge hailstorm that like if people were outside, they died. All of the crops get flattened. Like it's really really bad. Then he sends locusts. So like the rest of the crops that were like we didn't get flattened, they're like guess what? You got eaten though. So sorry. Um, and then he like sends, he blocks out the sun and it's dark for days. Like so dark that it says that they didn't even get out of bed because they couldn't see around them. That is all terrifying, right? That is, that is terrifying. That's just God being like, hey, you asked who I was. You disrespected me. Like Pharaoh wasn't a good guy. We have to remember that. Like he wasn't a good guy. The people of Egypt weren't good people. He was killing babies. They enslaved an entire group of people and then they were disrespecting God by doing that. So God was like, you want to know who I am? Here is who I am. He is all powerful and he is the creator of the universe. You may have heard a bunch of people talk about fearing God. Um, and it sounds a little bit intense, but that's because God is intense. Like, he is a big, intense God. He created everything and is bigger than we can imagine. Like, he created time and space. So he's outside of time and space, and my brain can't figure out how he's outside of time and space. Like, he's, it is crazy how big he is because he's created everything. It's hard to use words to describe how big and powerful he is because, like I said, our brains can't imagine endlessness. We can't imagine outside of time and space. But we don't need to be scared of God. When we say you need to fear God, it's not saying that we have to be scared of God. What, he's, what, what it means is that we need to have a reverence for God, like a deep, deep respect for God. That is what it means to fear God. And he doesn't, he doesn't want us to fear him because he loves us. And there is a book that I love called The Chronicles of Narnia, and there's a character in it called Mr. Beaver, and he is talking about a lion 
named Aslan, who is kind of a representative in the book of Jesus and of God. And he says something that is both true of the lion in the book and also the lion of Judah, a.k.a. our God, Jesus. He says this. He says, he isn't safe, but he is good. And like I said, God is truly the same. Like, he isn't safe, but he is good. He created everything and has power over everything, but at his core, he is good. Like, he created good. He is good. That is who God is. Following God isn't safe, but just like that lion can devour you, God can do that, but he won't. He has plans for you, and he loves you more deeply than anyone here on earth can. So we live in awe of him, in reverence of him, and we fear him because we love him, because we appreciate who he is and what he's done for us. So why should you follow him? Why should we obey him? Why should we listen to him? Who is he? He is the creator of the universe, and he is good. And his goodness shows up next in the story. I know a lot of you are asking, like, you keep saying God is good, but all of those terrible things just happened. Like, there was blood, there was death, there was sickness, all those terrible things, but then you keep saying that God is good. Well, Pharaoh wasn't the only one asking the question of who is God that we should obey him. The Israelite people were slaves for so long. It says that uh, later on, we find out that they were in Egypt for 430 years. And over 200 of those years, they were slaves. So just imagine with me that you were born and your parents were slaves. And your grandparents were slaves. And you know if you have a child, they will be a slave. Imagine the hopelessness that you would feel in that situation. These were the people that God said that he chose they didn't feel like it then. They were asking God, where are you? They were asking, where's the hope that we were promised? They were, because there was none there. They felt like they were abandoned, like God didn't actually choose them, that they were just going to have to sit in those mud pits and make bricks forever. That's what it felt like. Because Egypt was huge. Egypt was a powerhouse. There was no way they were getting out of there. Pharaoh had already made up his mind when he asked the question. When he asked it, it was actually like sarcastic. He's like, who is God? He wasn't really meaning it. Already in his heart, he had decided who God was. And it was someone that wasn't worth his time that he could disrespect. And God said, no. So God answers the question, not only to Pharaoh, but he answers the question for the people looking for hope, for the people asking God, where are you? Who are you? Why should we follow you? Like I said, the, pe the people of Egypt were awful. They were awful people. And so God wasn't answering the question for Pharaoh because in his heart he could care less. God answered the people of Israel because he wanted them to know who they were being rescued by and where their hope can be placed. And then also to give them a story that they can tell when they left. The last plague was a special plague. Uh, we talked about the first nine, and the last one was special. There's a bunch of special um, instructions he gave to Moses and then to the people of Israel. He told them to go get a perfect goat or a perfect lamb and to offer it up as a sacrifice. And then he told them, I'm going to go throughout the land of Egypt, and I'm going to kill all of the firstborn sons in the land. But he said, take the lamb or the goat that you sacrificed. Take its blood and smear it around your door. And I will know by the sign on the door of the blood to pass over your house and to spare the firstborn sons inside. So the people of Israel did this. And 
God passed through the land and over them. And this is the first time, this is the first feast of Passover, the festival of Passover. This is something uh, that's super important to the Jewish people. Um, They have, it's like once a year, and they remember what God did for them. They remember how God passed over them and then brought them up out of Egypt, away from their oppressors, and gave them hope and gave them a story. It's also special for us because God is showing us in this story what is to come. Because years and years later, Jesus appears on the scene and he is the goat goat. Yeah, I said it. I said it. He is the goat goat. Uh, He is the perfect sacrifice. So he comes and he offers himself up as a sacrifice. He dies on the cross and now his blood is better than the blood of the goat's It's better than the blood of the lamb because his was perfect. They used to offer sacrifices over and over and over again. It was never enough. They would always have to offer another one and another one and another one. But then Jesus came and he did it once and that's all we needed. That is all we needed. Because of Jesus, we are saved from an eternity of not knowing God. And because of Jesus, now we have a relationship with God and we have hope in God. So this is what God was foreshadowing with that 10th plague in this Passover feast. And the story ends with the firstborns of Egypt dying and the Israelites leaving leaving town. They say bye. They take a bunch of stuff with them and they leave. They get out of there. God sets them free. So Pharaoh got the answer to his question. But more importantly, the people of Israel also got their answer of who God was. And he is the God who fought for them. He is the God that set them free. And he is the God that took them out of where they were. So God set up this yearly festival as a reminder. And he tells them to tell their children about it and to never forget the hope that they found in that moment. And he's doing the same for us. He is telling us to not forget the hope that he has given us because he is the creator of the universe and he is our living hope. He is it. He is where we put all of our hope, all of our trust, because where else can we go? If we're being honest, 2020 has been pretty low on the hope end of things. Everything keeps getting canceled. There's sickness and death all around. But we still have hope in Jesus. And God is asking us right now to look back into the dark places and see where he provided hope, a way out, asking us to remember, just like the people do every single year when they have that festival, when they have that feast, they remember where God has brought them from. And it is so important because he gives each and every one of us a story of hope. So we have the story in the Bible, so many stories of hope over and over and over again. But on top of that, he gives each one of us a story to tell. And it's just as important to tell your story as it is to tell the stories in the Bible. Because people will believe a story coming from you before they believe a story coming from the Bible. They'll believe the hope that they see in you, and then they'll find the hope in Jesus through you. So he gave us a story so that we can tell our neighbors, our classmates, and our friends, and every single person who is feeling hopeless. It says in 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 15, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Here at Apex, we, we, we sometimes will talk about our testimonies. And that is basically just the story of what God has helped you through or when you found Jesus 
and how your life is different now. That's what your testimony is. And an actual definition of testimony that I super love is evidence or proof provided by the existence or appearance of something. So when we give our testimony, we are showing evidence or proof of the existence of the hope in Jesus in our lives, of the power of God in our lives. And then he asked us to take that story and show it to the hopeless people around us. So we are going to do that tonight. I'm going to have three people come up, and they're going to tell their stories to you because I think it's important that you hear not just not just from the Bible, even though the Bible is the word of God and you will find everything about who God is in here, but he also speaks through people and he speaks through our lives because we're part of the story. The, the story of the Bible is not going to end until Jesus comes back, so we are still part of that story. So I'm going to actually have uh, people come up and they're going to tell their testimonies, they're going to tell their stories for two reasons. Number one is to show you more of who God is. You'll see God in these stories. You'll see the hope of God in these stories, and you'll learn a little bit more about who he is as, as God in their lives, and then it can also apply to your life. And number two, I'm going to show you, these three people are going to show you how easy it is to tell your story, because we should be screaming it to everyone around us. So, 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 so. Hey, guys. How's it going? So just a little a little preface. I had literally no idea what I was going to talk about. I have a testimony, but not that there are bland testimonies, but mine is pretty uneventful. So I was like, I have to have more than one time where I was brought out of something that I didn't think I was going to be brought out of, either at all or as easy as I was. And I was like, oh yeah, I had COVID. <laughs> So the, I'm not going to get into like details and specifics, but just a general overview of what happened. Um, I had COVID on August 5th and, um, I have a lot of like underlying medical issues, a lot of autoimmune diseases, um, which makes me a perfect target for COVID, um, and which makes the whole experience so much worse. Um, so I was basically bedridden for about four or five days. I couldn't walk on my own. Um, I couldn't go to the bathroom on my own. I couldn't eat. Um, I couldn't see. I couldn't hear. Um, we were this close to taking me to the hospital for like invasive like help because I didn't, I couldn't function on my own anymore. Um, and it wasn't looking too good. Um, I didn't want to scare people around me by telling anyone. So I just kind of dealt with it on my own at my house with my family. Um, luckily, none of them got sick from me, which is insane. But um, we were this close to taking me to the hospital. Um, I went to bed one night feeling like I might not wake up in the morning, as dramatic as that sounds. It really, like, I felt like something was actually, like, wrong. Something was happening. Um, because when you can't even walk on your own anymore when you're a 17 year old girl who should be relatively healthy you wouldn't think it would hit someone that hard that fast um so I went to bed one night feeling like I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get up in the morning I don't know if this is gonna be it for me I I really am not feeling too hopeful about this right now um the next morning I woke up and I was absolutely healed, absolutely fine. 
Um, I had no symptoms, nothing, no fever. I could walk. I could finally eat. Um, I could like see again. I could hear. Um, and there is no explanation for that besides God working actively. And, um, I feel like it also opened my eyes to the importance of prayer. Um, because I know that's easily dismissed. Um, prayer is something that's hard for most people, especially in a casual setting. Um, you think you pray before you eat, you pray before you go to sleep at night, but prayer is any time that you are talking to God. So me being in my bed for six days, not being able to do anything but talk to God had an immense impact on not only my personal relationship with him and things that I realized through that experience, but also the experience of my healing. So seeing myself in the place where I was when I was diagnosed and seeing myself in the place I was out of nowhere one morning when I woke up, there's no explanation for that besides the healing of God. So I'm here to tell that and don't lose hope because things, crazy things happen. What's up guys? Um, so I'm here to talk about one time, well, a couple years back, I was going through a rough patch, um, kind of not on good terms with God. I had been in the church my whole life and I never really like connected. I never had, like, I've never heard the voice of God that, like, so many people around me were hearing, and I, I just was, like, fed up, like, wasn't having any of it, but um, then convention rolls around, and we're going through every day. We go, like, twice a day, and we have this big worship and this, this like, big sermon at this big convention center, and I'm, like, not feeling anything. Like, I'm not pressing in. I'm, I'm done with it. I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want it. <laughs> and then, so I go through just this whole like weekend, just, just dud after dud after dud. And then finally on Sunday, it's like the last service. Like I, would, I just sat down and I was like, look, clearly like I'm not, I'm not doing something right. Like I'm, I'm doing something wrong and, and I'm, I can't connect. So just, just like send someone, just, just have someone come and, and just, just, just to confirm. Cause like, if not, I'm done. <laughs> like I can't do this anymore. And um, I was sitting there for a while, just like, just like staring at the ground, not like everyone was up at the altar. I was just sitting in my chair. And then Derek comes over and he puts his arm around my shoulder and he starts praying with me. And just every single thing on my list, he just hit it right on the head and just, just going down the list. And, um, and it was like the first time that like, I didn't hear the voice of God directly, but I heard the voice of God directly, and um, <laughs> but like really, it ties into something that Pastor Chris used to talk about a lot, which is what you expect is what you get. I showed up every day to the convention hall, just like nothing's gonna happen. This is stupid. Why am I here? None of this. I don't believe any of this. And then I finally just sat down and and acknowledged that maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I'm not like something's not clicking in my head. And God showed up. So that's my story. Okay. Hello. Um, 
I'm a little emotional already from those stories because I love them both a lot. Uh, <laughs> so, but okay, I'm going to give you just a abridged overview of me and catch you up on my life up to the time I want to talk about, which I'm already crying. Just everyone ignore. Um, <laughs> so I went to church with my grandma when I was a kid and I decided to trust Jesus when I was really young. And I like really like deep, deep down, I never like, you know, like changed my mind. Um, and I've always like, you see me up here doing this. If you go to church on Sundays, you see me up there doing that, singing and stuff. I've always been like a worshiper. I haven't always been a joyful one and I haven't always had like peace. Um, so my family was complicated from day one, uh, but things got even more so when I was in high school and my parents started getting not so good at being married um, and like wanting to be married. And my eight siblings and I took that pretty hard. Um, and I just went into like survival mode and my grades dropped. I was in high school, so I was like 16 or something. And my grades dropped and I missed so much school that like by my senior year, like I, if I had missed one more day of school, like I would not have graduated. Um, and I was careless and drove too fast and didn't tell my parents where I was going or what I was doing or who I was with. And granted, most of the time it was just Chris or my friend, my one friend, but I, I didn't tell them and I was careless and I just, cause I just didn't care about my life. I didn't care about the next moment. Anything could happen to me and I'd be like, this is fine. Um, and I, so I didn't have really any hope, uh, for my life, which like sounds dramatic over, over it, but like, it was like everything that I expected and everything that was, is like now just not the same. And everything, you know, at home is like, there's fighting and there's responsibility to take care of the little ones and everything. And it was just all a lot. And so I was real down and, um, I carried it all with me to college where I went four hours from home and I was hard being away from my siblings because I felt like they really needed me and I was like trying to be the stable one for them and I was like a complete disaster wreck. Like, it was bad. Um, and I did not get better. <laughs> it did not feel better being away. Um, I felt a whole lot worse and I still didn't have it in me to get out of bed for class or to eat dinner or to take a shower or to do most things besides just like press play on my DVD player and climb back under the covers to avoid everything again. And I got fined for, I got fined for missing class and missing chapel and I got my grades dropped because I didn't care about that. And I was like working and trying to just stay afloat. Like I was just, like I was drowning. And I didn't, and then I isolated myself cause I didn't have the energy for friends. So I didn't have any besides Chris. Um, and so, like I said, everything was just different. And I had lost, I felt like I had just lost so much. And I was like, there wasn't going to be, there wasn't like hope that this one was going to get better. Like there was no reversing this. Like sometimes when like other things have happened, I'm like, okay, I, I can get through this and there will be another side of this where things are better again. But this one wasn't going to get better. This one was like final. So that was really hard to, to deal with. And I didn't have a lot of like hope for anything past the moment I was in and it like hurt to just exist. Um, but God carried me through all of that. He gave me a friend or two, which I'm still friends with and whom I love. He helped me like that helped me get out of bed and that helped me get outside. And I was breathing fresh air and like seeing the sun and like reminding, like remembering that like there are good things. And so 
I prayed to God. He answered me. I asked him for a friend. I asked him for sleep because I was having really bad dreams and I wasn't sleeping. I asked him for motivation and he answered me and I asked for joy and it took a long time for that to bubble up, but he answered me and (laughs) he brought me through that worst depression that I had experienced and with more joy than ever now at this point. And since then, he's brought me on a journey of health and wholeness and just discovering again, like coming back awake and coming back alive and um, just understanding who he made me to be. And he like truly like restores my soul. And this is only part of my story and only one of the many ways that God has been faithful and gracious to me. And I hope that can show you that he will do the same exact thing for you. I love you. So that's basically it for the night. You, we, we can see from the story in the Bible who God is, that he is the creator of the universe and that he is our living hope. We can see from Aaron's story that he is still healing, that he is still here doing works. We can see from Dave's story that he still shows up when we ask him to. When we pray to him and we ask him to be there, he will come. He will be there with us. He will give you hope when you need it. And we learn that from Sam as well, that God is here providing hope for us when we feel like there's no hope left. When it's dark, he comes with light. That is who God is. That is who God is. So the challenge for tonight is to look over your life, find the stories of hope that God has, because I know everyone has a story of hope that God has given you. Look for that story and then know it so that when someone comes up and asks you, hey, where, why do you have a hope as a believer? You can say, this is it, and this is my story. Because the world needs it more today than it's ever needed it before. Uh, we are like we are in a pandemic, and with the pandemic, there's been a rise in mental illness. And even before the pandemic hit, we were already in a pandemic of depression and suicide and anxiety, all those things. So the people, like people, are looking for hope, and we have it. We have the hope of Jesus, the only hope that can last. So. Let's tell the story. Let's yell it from the rooftop because the people need to hear it. Our story of God leading us out of slavery because people need to hear it. Our story of how good and wonderful God is because people need to hear it. And if you haven't put your faith in Jesus and you're in this room and you want to be a Jesus follower, you want to be part of the hope, part of the story, it is so easy to do that. He's right there and he wants, he wants you to be part of that. He wants to offer you hope. I encourage you just to talk to somebody in the room about it. It is so easy and your life will be better. So God, right now I ask you to come here and help us see the hope that you've placed in front of us. Help us to identify the stories of hope that are in the Bible, the stories of hope that are in our lives, the stories of hope that are in the lives of people around us. Help us to know that you are still moving, that you are still healing, and that you are bigger than we can ever imagine. So God, come show us who you are and we will show the world. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.